0: The NBA Finals are set. Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, the Western Conference Finals, more so just the Eastern Conference Finals we already basically discussed what was a wrapped-up Western Conference Finals relatively quickly. They finished it off in five. Shout-out to the Golden State Warriors. But We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals because the Boston Celtics have now won back-to-back Game 7s to win their first Eastern Conference championship in the Jason Tatum era. And this run is honestly one of the more impressive runs we've seen in the Eastern Conference, I'd say since the 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers. Sweeping KD and Kyrie in Brooklyn and in the fashion in which they really locked those two stars up. And then despite the Chris Milton injury, that altered that series against the Bucs. They still had to f- beat the defending champs. They still had to beat the best player in the league, and it took them seven games to do that. And then you cap it off with facing a super boosted Jimmy Butler, the way he was hooping in these playoffs, and the one seed in the East with the Miami Heat in the conference finals. So you got to tip your cap to Boston. You can say there were some injuries to help them around their way. I saw some people compare the run to the Phoenix Suns, but let's be real, man. It's not even close. It's night and day. This Boston Celtics run is honestly one of the more impressive runs that we've seen in years in the NBA playoffs. And everybody has contributed. You had Marcus Smart playing a Defensive Player of the Year caliber level. You had Jason Tatum stepping up and establishing himself as a superstar. Jalen Brown, although there were some things... To be desired sometimes with some aspects of Jalen Brown's game. Jalen Brown really showed up and proved himself as a number two option. A consistent guy in the playoffs. Who proved that he could play and thrive alongside Jason Tatum. And then Ime Doka. What a phenomenal job he did as a coach. As a leader of the troops. What he did on the defensive side of the ball. You really got to tip your cap to him. Robert Williams and Al Horford in the middle. On both ends of the floor. Really established themselves as anchors in the paint. So... Really, really proud of what the Boston Celtics did uh, if you're a Celtics fan. You know, I'm not, I'm not a Celtics fan, so I'm not going to say proud is really the word I would use, uh, but but props to them. you got to tip your cap, and they've been knocking on the door for years, and to finally get over that hump is big for this franchise, a franchise that's trying to capture their 18th championship banner, trying to pass the Lakers, who they're currently tied with right now, and take that overall lead. So we'll see about that. We'll see what happens for them moving forward into the next series, but we'll talk a little bit about the Miami heat and Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was fantastic and he obviously deserves no slander for how he played uh, in this series. Objectively that three in transition for the lead. I've seen a lot of people try to defend it. Jimmy Butler tried to defend it. It was a bad shot. We can just be honest about that. He's not a good three point shooter. And despite, a huge increase in his three-point percentage in the postseason. He was still basically a 30% three-point shooter, which is not good. Taking a transition three-pointer with the amount of time on the clock and everything of that nature, especially given the other shooters you potentially have on the floor that can take the threes, it was a bad shot. It was a bad decision. But it's fine because Jimmy Butler laid it all out on the line for his team. His Game 6 performance, what he did outscoring LeBron's Game 6 performance from 2012 – And then what he did in the first half of Game 7, having 24 points, not to mention playing all 48 minutes in a closeout Game 7. He was the reason the Miami Heat were even at this stage. It wouldn't have been anywhere near this position without Jimmy Butler. So although we can acknowledge that it was a bad shot, a bad decision, still doesn't take away from how incredible Jimmy Butler was in the playoffs this year. And I'd said before. I was worried about the Heat being too reliant on their others offensively, but in reality, they were far too reliant on Jimmy Butler when it came down to it for buckets. And he got to the free throw line a lot. He really was able to do what he does best and get into that mid-range and knock down some free throws. But he did take a huge uptake in his three-point percentage. And that that's significant to show that he actually is improving. And he actually... Had a good series, a great series against the best defense in the league. So he didn't go out sad. Props to him for that. Um, And then especially when Tyler Hero went down, that is worth noting. He did try to give it a go in game seven, and he just couldn't get it going. And he clearly wasn't healthy. You know, if Tyler Hero is healthy, it does change the series. It gives him more of an offensive weapon out there. Although Hero wasn't nearly as effective or consistent in the postseason, even before the injury. So that is something to factor in. And defensively, he would get hunted. So I don't think it's one of those things where if they had hero, they automatically win. I predicted the Celtics to win before the series, uh, regardless of that injury. And I don't really think that would have changed it much. Kyle Lowry, another guy you can say he missed some time in the series. Maybe he would have been able to have an impact on this series. Let's be real. Kyle Lowry in the five games he played, he was terrible. He shot like twenty around 28% from the field in this series under 10 points a game. He was just not effective. Gabe Vincent has been better than him in the entirety of the playoff run this year. So whenever it is, maybe just getting older, Kyle Lowry just, he came to Miami and he does still bring some of those intangibles to the table. And he can't have those nights where he gives you kind of a vintage Kyle Lowry performance, but he's not the guy you expected that could take this team potentially to an NBA Finals. And although P.J. Tucker has been very impactful for the Heat, Throughout these playoffs, he was not really able to have that same level of impact in Game 7. It was hilarious, though, to see Udonis Haslam, who literally was not playing a single minute throughout the course of this series, have so much to say about Draymond predicting the Celtics to win the series. And then literally running a victory lap at Draymond, talking about, Oh, you broke the code, this, that, and the third. When they won Game Six, and then within 48 hours, they're literally headed off to Cancun or Cabo, wherever you guys want to say. Like th- they literally did not beat Boston. Draymond was right, and y'all are sitting in here trying to run a victory lap. That's crazy. That's crazy. And and Udonis Haslam is doing it like he's he's even in the game, impacting anything. On the court, like, yeah, his, his off court leadership, that type of stuff. Yeah, sure. He has value there, but come on, man, I I get it, but it's a bad look to say all that and then turn around to still lose the series. Uh, And Draymond was right. But uh, back to Jimmy Butler before the playoffs, I made a comment that I want to address and kind of evaluate on here. I said that every other playoff contender in the Eastern conference had a better number one option than Jimmy Butler. And after the playoffs, I want to do two lists. I want to do a list of players that Jimmy Butler outperformed offensively from that group in the playoffs. And then I want to revise and see if there are actually players that wrongfully put over Jimmy Butler that I wouldn't put over him right now. So production-wise, throughout these playoffs, the only players I would put over Jimmy Butler would be Giannis Antetokounmpo and Jason Tatum. And you may say, oh, Jason Tatum. Yes, first of all, Jason Tatum arguably had a better series than Jimmy Butler in the Eastern Conference Final. But if you factor in the Bucks series and the Nets series, come on. Uh, the scoring numbers, Jimmy Butler has a, a slight edge, a couple more points per game, but the efficiency definitely goes to Tatum. Tatum also as a playmaker, much improved. His overall impact on offense, I would still take Jason Tatum, especially uh, when you factor in the other stuff that we're going to do later. But – Purely production-wise, I'm still taking Tatum. And then, obviously, Giannis goes without saying incredible numbers in these playoffs. And then when we talk about impact and ability, I'm still taking Giannis and Tatum, obviously. Joel Embiid, he was banged up and whatnot, didn't have the same impact that you would expect him to have and that he had in the regular season, but I'm still taking Embiid as an offensive weapon over Jimmy Butler. Zach Levine. When he's whole, I'm taking him. Kevin Durant, we saw him get clamped up by the Celtics defense, but that's a rarity. We don't usually see that out of him. Trey Young, again, clamped up by the Atlanta Hawks, but I've seen it time and time again. The dude led the league in total points and total assists this season, finished near the tops per game numbers in both of those categories. And, yes, Darius Garland. Darius Garland, I'm still taking him as a facilitator, and he can shoot the long ball and he can score a lot of points. I'm taking Darius Garland as an offensive weapon over Jimmy Butler. So I did elevate him over Pascal Siakam, LaMelo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, and James Harden purely based off of this season. You know, if you talk about what they did in the regular season and playoffs combined, I was unimpressed again by DeMar DeRozan in the postseason 41% from the field, 0% from behind the arc. Uh, LaMelo Ball in the play-in, again, stunk it up. So I'll factor that in, and the numbers were somewhat close in the regular season, even though I still think skill set-wise and potential-wise LaMelo Ball's got that. Uh, and then Pascal Siakami did have a good postseason, but but that was pretty neck-and-neck neck anyways, and I, I think I'll still take I'll revise myself and take, take Jimmy Butler with the edge. And then James Harden, man, we saw him. In the playoffs, he just didn't look like he has it. He'll be back next year, but purely off of this year, Jimmy Butler got that. So I will amend it a little bit, and I want to give props to Jimmy Butler, but at the time, I still believe that that was a a pretty valid take. Next up, we'll talk about um, the Heat fans, uh, talking about where Jimmy Butler ranks in the league right now. We'll do a little bit of that. We just talked about it on offense, but overall, I can com- basically like compromise with, with, with I can compromise with y'all Heat and Butler fans. But I don't know if you guys are gonna like this trade-off. I'm ready to put him back in that superstar tier, but I can't say he crack he cracks my top 10. I really can't say he cracks my top 10. No order. I still have Curry, Luca, Giannis, Jokic, and Bede. LeBron, KD, Tatum, Trey, and Kawhi went healthy over Jimmy Butler. And honestly, I struggle with saying that he's better than John Morant, too. And yes, I said Trey Young. Still, after their head-to-head playoff matchup, I just can't ignore how significant the gap between those two has been all season up to that series. And then I saw Trey Young have a similar type run in the Eastern Conference Finals last season. So... I I really can't say that that Jimmy Butler is better than Trey Young still after what I've seen. So, Jimmy Butler superstar status he'll get that back. But in terms of saying he's top ten, I can't quite go. But he he's incredible, phenomenal season for Jimmy Butler. Shout out to him. Shout out to the Miami Heat. A good season, not a great season for the team, you know, but a good season for sure. Um, And and for context, throughout these playoffs, Jimmy Butler averaged 27 points per game. He shot 51% from the field, 34% from three-point range. It's about a five-point-per-game increase, 3% better from the field, and 11% better from three on higher volume. And he ranked fourth in playoff points per game. So impressive stuff for Jimmy Buckets. Talking about the finals MVP, the last Jimmy Butler-related topic that I want to get into Jimmy Butler did not deserve the, the conference finals MVP. Let's just be real for a second. If we want to talk about him versus Tatum alone in the series, that's basically a wash. If anything, based off of their production. And if I had to give an edge, I'm saying Tatum had a better series. He was more efficient. He was a better playmaker. He was a better defender. And their points per game were basically the same. People forget Jimmy Butler had three terrible games in this series. And the game six and the game seven were phenomenal. And the stakes were the highest in those moments. So I get those mean a little bit more to you guys. But still, man, Jason Tatum was the better player in that series. It was painfully obvious. you know. So to sit up here and try to act like and compare him to Luka Doncic and say he deserved the conference finals MVP, I just strongly disagree personally. And so with that, we'll we'll make our way to the NBA finals. We'll talk about the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Ironically, we got the Golden State Warriors post Kevin Durant, you know, a couple years after Kevin Durant, first year with their fully healthy squad with clay back in the fold, Western Conference champs. And you got the Celtics in their post Kyrie run. Finally finding the guy that's The best fit for them to play point guard with Marcus Smart stepping up into that role. No Kemba Walker, no Kyrie Irving, and they are Eastern Conference champs. Wow. Wow. So you got that, and then you got the Nets with KD and Kyrie. This season, zero playoff wins. That's the duo, man. No no James Harden in the fold. The duo this season. Going up against the Celtics, zero playoff wins. Only team to get swept out of playoffs. Life really comes at you fast, man. That's that's wild. But with that said, I've got the Golden State Warriors winning the NBA Finals. And I've got the Warriors winning this series in five games. And I've said since the playoffs started that the Golden State Warriors are the best team in basketball. They're the team to beat. They've been my pick to win the title. I also think they had a far easier path than Boston to this point, and they're going to have home court advantage. But to put the nail in the coffin, they have the best player in the series, they have championship experience, and they're facing a Celtics roster in which most of its core has never seen the final stage. For those reasons, I I think it's going to be a lot more one-sided than it actually should be. When you look at the talent of these rosters, you look at the fact that both of these teams can play both ends of the floor. Like this could be a seven-game series if Boston wasn't already coming off of two seven-game series and then the matchup that was supposed to be the easiest out of the three in terms of it only went to a sweep. It was the closest point differential between the teams and a lot of those games came down to the wire and you were playing KD and Kyrie Irving. So the Celtics got to be drained. Absolutely drained. And they're going to need these couple days off to recover. So I got the Warriors, Warriors winning the NBA Finals. Uh, a couple more topics I wanted to quickly address, not completely related to uh, the NBA Finals, but just other stuff around the NBA We got the whole Curry-LeBron dialogue coming up again. The Curry-KD thing we've already touched on before, but we can get into this a little bit. Is Curry a threat to LeBron's legacy? Hell no is the answer. Hell no. If anything, the greatness of Stephen Curry enhances LeBron's legacy. Like I don't really understand why LeBron fans hate Stephen Curry so much, bro. I don't get it. The fact that in the LeBron era, there was a player as great as Curry and as great as Kobe speaks to the level of competition within the era that he's played in. Like All those favorite players, if you're a Curry stan, a Kobe stand, a LeBron stand, whatever you are, bro, those guys make each other better. That level of competition, it matters when you elevate the era as a whole. And Curry winning four rings in the LeBron James era is more so a product, obviously a product of Curry's greatness, but it's also a product of the culture and the structure that's been built within the Warriors dynasty. And you can't really compare that to LeBron's situation. He wasn't drafted into a situation with that type of culture environment, nor did he have a front office or coaching staff or the pieces around him to to have that type of structure and stability. So LeBron went different places. He created a culture, a championship culture for a couple of years. He did stints, got a championship here, got a couple championships there, and then bounced and, and tried to do it again. That, that that's the difference between the two. But both are great. And obviously, if you look at the numbers, at least within the main era in which they competed against each other 2010s. It's not even close, we know LeBron beats him in basically everything you know mVps the what whatever metric you want to say he beats him we know, but that doesn't mean you have to d- diminish Curry's greatness because Curry's damn great in his own right and then the last thing of course, it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be the news rumor mill if you don't talk a little bit about the Lakers to to close it off and there's been reports about the Lakers hiring Darvin Ham. by the way, a great hire. He could be a Udoka type of coach, a guy that's a former player, a guy that has connections in the NBA. He's a motivator. And from what it seems like, a guy that can, can definitely elevate this group. But the bigger news, or just as big of a news, is the Lakers are essentially basically stuck with Russell Westbrook. Like They're planning on not trading that pick, and I understand it to an extent. The 2027 first-round pick, that's the only pick they can trade, and it's going to be extremely valuable. At that point, LeBron's going to be 42 years old. And I think the franchise is realizing that they're looking like this core is not going to win another championship. It's not because of LeBron. LeBron's still out there giving you 30 a game at this age, but he's only got so much time left. AD can't stay on the court. The rest of the roster is not good enough. And they're basically just going to sit up there and eat the last year of Westbrook's contract in hopes that the team can somewhat figure it out and try to compete. But they're not going to break the bank in terms of their future assets any more than they already did. They they don't really have much young talent on their roster. They don't have many assets outside of this 2027 first-round pick. So they're not going to break the bank to try to go win a title because realistically – it's going to be up to LeBron and AD's health and then whatever they can get out of Russell Westbrook. And if those guys show up and deliver, they will have a chance to compete. They will, but but they're not going to trade that 2027 first round pick, which it's sad because I don't want to see another year of mediocrity and another year of Russell Westbrook in the Lakers uniform because I don't think it's going to work out, but at the end of the day, man, it's it's probably the best move for the franchise that they don't trade that 2027 first round pick. Uh, but and they already got a championship. But because there's no guarantee too that you trade that 2027 first round pick and Russell Westbrook and you get like some insane package. If you can get a great package of multiple young guys, you gotta do the trade, you know? But I, I don't know. I don't know what type of package that would yield in return. But that's going to do it, man. Really a lot to talk about in this episode. But shout out to the Celtics. Shout out to the Golden State Warriors. Should be a fun series. I got the Warriors in five. Appreciate your opportunity, and I'm out. Peace.